Hey guys, welcome back to AnyCast. Today I will be comparing Eleven from Stranger Things to Rey Skywalker from Episodes 7 to 9 of Star Wars. Now, if you have not seen Seasons 1 to 3 of Stranger Things or Episodes 7 to 9 of Star Wars, please do not listen. I will be talking a lot about their abilities and the plots of these characters. Um, so yeah. Now that that's all covered, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. So first off, we must establish the powers that Ray and Eleven have obtained. First, we will be looking at Ray's powers and then Eleven's powers. We will also be looking at um, how they use these powers for good or evil, and what situations these powers were used in, and all that fun stuff. Ray, of course, is a girl who is estimated to be in her mm, 20s, I guess, maybe teens, early 20s, late teens, who lives on the planet of Jakku. Jakku was first introduced in Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and only shown in The Force Awakens. This planet is a deserty planet, kind of like Tatooine. It's basically the same exact thing. It is just um, a graveyard, essentially of like like um ships and just parts so it's a very very poor planet that thrives on scrapping the the ships of the galactic empire from the battle of endor ray's parents left her at a young age and ever since then she has become a core fighter for the resistance and became a jedi under the guidance of master luke skywalker and admittedly even Leia Skywalker mentored her more so through her force a little bit in episode 9. We get to see a little bit of that. She has a couple of close friends being Finn, BB-8, BB-8 is a droid, Poe Dameron, and Chewbacca, also R2-D2. Um, then, of course, Luke and Leia are good friends of hers, but more so mentors to her. She got her powers practically by blood because her grandfather is none other than Darth Sidious. Emperor Palpatine is her grandpa indeed. She has had the Force blood in her since birth, and then when she went to the planet of Achto to deliver Luke, well, Anakin's lightsaber to Luke, uh, she got to be trained and all that. So. Now, if you want to learn more about the lightsabers, go check out my episode on Kyber Crystal's lightsaber types and fighting forms. So, Ray trades on the planet of Achto with Luke Skywalker. With Master Luke, she can lift rocks and do other basics of Jedi training at this point. But, we discovered that she has a very, very unique power, which is arguably only been used twice in the Star Wars universe. Which is insane, because... Most Jedi share the same powers. Most Jedi and Sith, some powers they master more that makes them more recognizable. For instance, Master Yoda can jump up in the air and use Force Jump while swinging his lightsaber. He can like dash around the room in the air um, because he's so small and agile. And then more, we know like uh, Luke to do... Mm, 
more just like swordsman stuff. Um, unless you get into like the comics and everything, then he can like force push. Uh, we saw him in Mando, of course, crush those dark troopers. So he has a like more powerful force powers that somebody like Anakin would use. So Ray has the unique power of a dyad. A dyad is basically two beings having a connection through the force and they can communicate with each other through the first force not first force by talking and feeling each other the cool part about the dyad is actually when i say you can feel somebody you can reach out and touch somebody well the one that you are communicating with you can also like perceive illusions in their mind essentially if you're power at a certain power point we see this between Ben Solo, otherwise known as Kylo Ren, and Rey. Also, we see that Basila Sean and Revan allegedly could have had a dyad. Those are the only two instances of a dyad in the entire Star Wars universe, which is really crazy because from what we know, Basila Sean and Revan are near the beginning of the Star Wars universe. Like before Phantom Menace, near the creation of the Star Wars universe. And then episode 9, of course. I don't think it's the end. Episodes 8 and 9, I don't think that entire trilogy is the end, but it's towards an end. So, it takes years for this thing, I guess, to pop up. In episode 9, we see Rey use Force Lightning, which is most famously used by Darth Sidious, her grandfather. And, of course, my personal favorite Sith, Count Dooku, has used Force Lightning. Some Jedi have also used Force Lightning, but it is more so used on the darker side of the Force. I don't really know why Force Lightning is used on the darker side of the Force. I did not look into that. But I would imagine that you have to lean in more to hate and emotions. We know that Rey is very much so... Um, in emotions, we see that she gets very emotional and everything. Um, compared to uh, a Jedi like Luke, I mean, Luke, of course, does have the emotions of a typical Jedi. Luke's not a good example. Um, compared to Obi Wan, Obi Wan does have some emotion, some it's very small, and he can eliminate it just like that, just snap it. Um, while Luke and Rey, they, it's harder for them to eliminate their emotions because the emotions helps them in many ways, but also could defeat them in many ways. It drives them, so to say, in the Force and Jedi use, Jedi things. Now, we've seen Rey in her combat, and she uses forms 6, which is Neoman, 5, Shien and Dijimso, and Seven, Julio and Vipad. So she's very, very skilled in her lightsaber combat. She did defeat, she did indeed defeat Kylo Ren on two separate occasions. Once, in Episode Seven, we see her defeat Kylo Ren in the forest. Um, I mean, she did have the assistance of Finn, but just for a little bit. Well, I mean, Finn held him off, and then, of course, Finn gets his 
shoulder burnt, and then it's all up to Ray again. Then in episode 9, she, I'd argue, she basically kills Kylo. She has to heal him with force heal because she stabs him in the gut. And then at that moment, they, because they have the dyad, they can both feel that Ray or not Ray, Leia has died. So she essentially has killed um, Kylo Ren on one of those occasions. She also used the power. Uh, she used the powers of all Force ghosts in existence. They spoke to her, had her rise up onto her feet, and in Episode Nine, and she defeated Palpatine on Exegol like that, by every force ghost breathing, basically um, speaking life, I guess you could say, into her to get up off her feet and then deflect the lightning of Palpatine into Palpatine the face. So overall, she's very skilled in the force and definitely she is powerful. She, in fact, would, I think that she is overpowered. But does she have what it takes to defeat our good friend Eleven from Hawkins, Indiana in the 80s? Now we will dive into Eleven and how Eleven got her powers, what her powers are, and all the rest of that fun stuff. In the year 1971, a woman by the name of Terry Ives gave birth to Jane Ives, otherwise known as Eleven. We first see Eleven. When we first see Eleven, she is actually 12 years of age, which is pretty interesting because she's pretty young with all these cool powers. We learn that Dr. Brenner is a father-like figure, but an intimidating one to her. He has contained her in this facility that operated, operated by the U.S. government in a small, quiet town called Hawkins, Indiana. Eleven was used as a government experience, because she was born with supernatural powers. She, like Jedi, can lift and crush things with her mind. She can control almost anything with her mind if she is in the right mental space and has enough concentration. She also kind of can do a dyad in a sense and communicate with people, even the people that aren't in her dimension. The people in the upside down she can communicate with somewhat. And, of course, the people in the real world, Earth. She can control... Oh, she got these powers because her mother, Terry, was an MKUltra test subject. Interestingly enough, MKUltra was a real experiment in the real world. The real, real world. I'm not talking about the real world of Hawkins, Indiana. I'm talking about the real world that we, you and me live in where we watch this sort of stuff. MK Ultra was a real experiment performed on US citizens by the CIA reportedly. It was a mind control operation in the 50s. This operation was suspended in 1973, but people still like to conspire and theorize that celebrities nowadays have been test subjects of this. I will probably be making a, an entire podcast episode on MKUltra to find out how true this thing is and what really went on and where it went on and if it is still in use. But anyways, when Eleven was born, 
a Hawkins National Laboratory had abducted her from Terry Ives and claimed her as theirs. They tested her to find out her powers, so for years they just trapped her there. She escaped when she was 12 and was on the run from the U.S. government. They kind of wanted her because they wanted her because she was the answer to war. She was a superpower. She is a superpower for any country. If if any country obtained her, if Russia obtained her, if China obtained her, if um, France, Brazil, Canada, Mexico, us, well, we had her. Um, it would kind of be like the Ant Man suit and the pin particles. It was gonna. She was gonna be used for war. She was a weapon. And people were going to treat her like an object and basically train her kind of like Black Widow, like you're a cold blood killer, except you cannot break past this algorithm in her head, in a sense. Eleven then meets Mike Wheeler, Dustin Henderson, and Lucas Sinclair. They, um, they help her throughout the first season, the second season, and the third season. But in the first season, they help her primarily to escape the lab people. Over time, we see Eleven lift trucks, uh, make others do involuntary things, and so much more. She defeats the Demogorgon, closes the gate to the Upside Down, and helps defeat the Mind Flayer. She has proven time and time again that she is extremely powerful. I mean, she defeated the Demogorgon, which is a bulletproof beast from a dimension of demon-like monsters known as the Upside Down. She even broke through a person's flayed mind who was already a jerk in the first place and then became flayed. And then she could break through that mind space. She closed the gate um, to, for the, she closed the gate at the Hawkins lab, so she's done a lot of cool things. To make her an even better character, the technology in the 80s was of very little assistance to her. In Star Wars, technology helps the Jedi out so much, but in Stranger Things in the 80s, tech wasn't too helpful. They had walkie-talkies and bikes, so, I mean, it kind of helped, I guess. If she didn't want to use her mind powers, she could, of course, see the walkie-talkies. You just walkie-talkies. Oh, and another thing on her mind powers, she can't actually speak to people. So very few people can know, like, speak to her through those mind powers, but they can notice that she's watching them. Kind of like she can spy on people, and then some people can pick up on that if they're more observant. Um, so, really, they just have walkie-talkies for communication and bikes. That's it. I mean, of course, they could use cars if they wanted to hijack one, but I don't really remember that happening. Um, that's it. Opposed to the Jedi, who have lightsabers, spaceships, and holograms, which spaceships, of course, transporting from planet to planet, and they can be used as a weapon against citizens if a Jedi needed to use the uh, spaceship against, like, a droid army or the stormtroopers. And then, of course, the lightsabers have so much power once you learn that power. So, Ray had a lot of less, or, sorry, Eleven had a lot of less cool gadgets opposed to Ray, who had a lightsaber, can ride in spaceships, 
and could obtain a hologram if she so cared to. Now the time has come for my analysis of Ray versus Eleven, who would truly win this battle. Let us first look at the important abilities of both. Ray has the power of force lift, push, heal, lightning, and jump. Ray also has the dyad with bent solo, or at least used to. Eleven has the powers of telepathically crushing, lifting, and communicating with others. So, if these two went to fight each other, I would tend to believe that Eleven would win the battle. I mean, all she would need to do is crush Ray's brain the way that she did to the agents for Brenner at the end of Season 1. Ray, though, could possibly jab at Eleven with her saber. But before that would even happen, I believe that Ray would shoot Force Lightning and pull toward Eleven towards the saber with the Force. So in all reality, the only instance that Ray can win this battle is if she saw Eleven from afar, did not alert Eleven at all, which I think would be kind of impossible. And then what I just described, pull with the fort, shoot her with force lightning until she's weak and cannot do anything, and then pull her towards you with the force and then jab in her stomach with a lightsaber, killing her. Which there, and then of course, Eleven is too powerful, and Eleven would just melt Ray's brain. Or do whatever. I mean, all she needs to do is melt Ray's brain and then it's game over for Ray. And, I mean, I don't think any of Eleven's friends could do anything to a Jedi who's the most overpowered in the galaxy, arguably. So, there is no real escape from that. I don't even think Thanos could snap his fingers if his brain was being vaporized. I think if Eleven went up against Thanos, it's very hard for Thanos to win that because all Ray needs to do is crush his brain. Unless somehow Thanos has some mind guard that he can use with the Infinity Arm. That's an entire other face down though that I'll probably do also. Thanos versus Eleven. If Ray and Eleven... Ew. If Ray and Eleven encountered one another, I think that they would actually form some sort of dyad together and exterminate all of the Upside Down's demons and destroy all the Sith roots in the galaxy. Even though Palpatine is supposed to be the last Sith, you never know. There's always more Sith, and there's always going to be that one kid like Ben Solo who becomes a Sith, or Anakin that becomes a Sith because of emotions. So, they would have to defeat all the Sith, or Eleven would just help Rey train Jedi, which, be, which I don't think really Eleven could care to. Eleven just wants to be with her friends in Hawkins. But Rey couldn't... Oh, one last thing I did want to mention. Rey couldn't even lift an X-Wing. She had to have the help of Master Luke, which was a very symbolic moment back to, of course, the entire do or do not. There is no try with Yoda telling that to Luke, and then Yoda lifts the X-Wing, well, helps Luke lift the X-Wing. Um, but 
Eleven lifted the Millennium Falcon on her own. I mean, it was, it was a toy Millennium Falcon, but still. Eleven did it better than Ray ever could. So in complete conclusion, I think Eleven would win, and Ray doesn't stand a chance, no matter how powerful Ray is, <clears throat> no matter what you throw at me. The fact that Eleven can crush your brain and melt it, um, that's a that's a game breaker. Eleven just won the fight right there. As long as she can focus to crush her brain. It's over. So if she's in full focus mode, she wins. If not, Ray could win. Unless Ray is going to try and be like a Jedi and do a Jedi like thing and just try to negotiate, then it's game over for Ray. So basically, Ray would have to embrace her full Sith mode to um, defeat Eleven. But like I said, also, I think they would just form a dyad together and, you know, bring. Peace to the galaxy. Well, all the galaxies. Um, yeah. Well, that wraps up all of today's show. And I hope that you've enjoyed the quick lesson on Ray and Eleven's origins, their powers, and all that fun stuff that I went over. I hope you also like my analysis. And look in the description for the Discord link and the voice messages link. Hope you have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this episode and look forward to next week's content.